For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Yes, it's Wednesday. Yes, you know what that means. It means Wrestling Inc. podcast after all the action of the Wednesday Night Wars between NXT and AEW. It's Wrestling Inc. Thank you for joining us, whether you're on our YouTube page, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it might be. We're happy that you're joining us. And obviously, thanks to all the people in the chat room that we can see jumping in on the conversation. I am your host tonight, Justin LaBar, being joined by the man who's been my staple now here every Wednesday for the last couple uh, months. You can read his work on Forbes.com. He is the always witty, always charming Alfred Kunawa. Alfred, how are you doing? What's up, Justin? Good to be here. I just want to make sure. Are we live? We are live. We are live? Okay. It looks Okay, here we are. There. Now it's showing up on mine that we're live. Okay. I hope good. we're live. Good to be here. We've had it's enough just... tech. There's been enough technical issues uh, <laughs> and, and, and things created by wrestling <laughs> media. So, like, <laughs> you know. We are now live. I can confirm we're live. It looks like on my broadcast. Maybe it was something on my end, but it's good that we're here. Maybe I'm just a little gun shy. Defense. <laughs> we'll get to it all tonight. Oh boy, it, it was a fun one tonight. It was fun. I know some of you that, that that tune into this podcast, whether it's live or whether you're listening to us, you know, Thursday morning on your way to work or school, uh, you don't always get to see the shows. You you tune to us first to let us tell you what to tune into. And let me tell you, there was some greatness tonight, and there was also some. Ooh, uh, we'll cover it all for you. We'll we'll make sure we, we let you know what to unpack. Uh, Matt Morgan will not be here tonight, so don't don't worry of uh, if you're sticking around. Matt's not making a late entrance. Matt is off uh, this week, so um, uh, for all the Matt Morgan fans, give us a chance. Stick around. All right, Alfred. Uh, Alfred, let's get right into um, AEW Dynamite. They're coming off of uh, a very headline worthy for one reason or another, for good or bad, pay per view this past Sunday, and we jump right into. Uh, what, you know, an awesome singles match as you have Ray Phoenix, who has Pac in his corner up against Matt Jackson, who, of course, has Nick Jackson in his corner. And uh, I mean, th- this is the match you expect you're going to get with two guys who have the ability to do what they can do in the ring. Uh, of course, a little backstory coming off of the pay-per-view this past Sunday with these two. And uh, again, like I said, the match you'd expect to see here, uh, both uh, both sides have their cornermen uh you know getting a little involved and then becoming a uh, part of it uh, ultimately though uh, we see uh ray phoenix so he reverses matt's pile driver throws the knee into matt's head nails the pile driver for the one two three so ray phoenix getting the win over a young buck did you have this one alfred yeah yeah i love seeing this i mean ray phoenix is hot right now and in addition to that he is one half of the number one contenders so this is kind of how you build up a tag team feud you have the number one contenders either win a non-title tag team match or you can do the one-on-one match here so that it makes them viable contenders for when they do have what i think is going to be a great tag team classic Uh, ray phoenix is wrestling at a level right now where if he doesn't have a match of the year candidate i consider it a little bit of a disappointment and as much as i did like this match like it wasn't that blow away match of the year type candidate so I thought it was a little disappointing, but I still liked the match. I thought they did a lot of cool stuff, and, and Ray Phoenix looked spectacular like he usually does. So does Matt Jackson. Yeah, kind of what to off of what you're saying, this match is, is was very entertaining. Again, if you didn't see it, check it out. But I, do, I did feel like 
they held back a little bit. It's like, you know what? They know they got more coming and then they're going to keep some spots and some, and some, some sequences uh, exactly. for later for the bigger payoff matches. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Ray Phoenix, you know, he obviously phenomenal things he can do in the ring. Um, you know, if you can get a guy who has a good look, you know, you know, mass wrestler, mass wrestlers can always be a hit or miss. You know, you can't see the facials for the emotion, but if you can do it right, like a Ray Mysterio and you can sell, still sell it with your body language and such, it works. You know, Ray Phoenix, I think he does that. Obviously he has a great look with the tattoos and, you know, he's not, you know, he's not the smallest Lucha we've seen in a mask. He's, he's got a little bit of size to him, relatively speaking, and he speaks English. So the potential for Ray Phoenix in AEW in America, uh, if they really want to put the rocket, so to speak, up as you know where, um, I, I think is grand. And yeah, getting a singles win on a young buck and what could be building to is, is a great starting point for uh, uh, where they might be going with him. Next up, we get the, the explanation, everybody. You know, maybe, maybe there's extra incentive to tune in to find out, okay, how are we going to? How are we going to explain this one? Of course, I'm um, talking about the uh, anticlimactic ending to the pay-per-view last Sunday, uh, Revolution, where the countdown, the bomb's going to go off, and, and and Eddie Kingston takes cover over his friend John Moxley, and you know we got uh, a Gilbert entrance uh, of explosion. Um, so everybody's wondering, okay, how are they going to how are they going to do this? We see a pre-tape interview of Kingston and Moxley sitting in, you know, behind some kind of a fire pit and certainly not a scripted word for word promo here, Alfred. This, this was very felt very natural. Eddie Kingston, you know, yeah, I might've looked dumb, but I'm not, I'm not talking to you, you critics or you people. I'm just talking from what I know and basically saying, this is a brother of mine. This is a friend of mine. And, you know, maybe I look dumb, but the thing is I had to, you know, I was willing to you know throw myself on him, you know, Moxley stepping in, you know, they 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 start to make some jokes. Maybe impact, maybe impact in their diminutive diminutive budget. This is all the explosion that they could uh, afford. Um, it, it, again, a promo worth checking out. It's on WrestlingInc.com. But Alfred, I I felt this promo felt very natural. It almost felt like a one taker. And when the segment got done, I was like, okay, they did the best explanation and cover up within story while still trying to sound cool. That was possible. That's what I felt after I watched this one, and then we'll table to later. But what did you think of this one? I love that you said it felt like a one taker. That was my takeaway: is that it just felt like they turned the camera on, and these two had such tremendous chemistry as real life friends that they just rolled with it. And I mean, sometimes in wrestling, you'll see like Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch were married in real life, didn't have very good on screen chemistry, but Eddie Kingston and John Moxley had great chemistry together. I love the Eddie Kingston promo. And another nugget of this promo that I thought was so believable is he kind of used a PTSD line in that. He's heard explosions before, and it just it sent him into a place where he went black. That is a real thing. I used to work with a guy who fought in the military, and he went out to Afghanistan, and you could not come behind him and do anything, and you could not make any loud noises around him. So that was a great real-life explanation for why Eddie Kingston just blacked out. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I, again, yeah, I was too. I thought, again, when this segment ended, I was like, that's probably without Tony Khan coming out and breaking the fourth wall and saying – you know, we, <laughs> pyro guy wasn't on it or whatever. Right. It, without doing that, this was the best in storyline explanation. And again, I say we'll table this because I thought that this would just be the end of it. Sadly, it would not. Uh, Sean Wiley, $5 super chat. Thank you, Sean. Says Eddie Kingston did a great job of explaining the ludicrous angle at Revolution. And I like the Wiley Coyote Acme reference by John yeah. Moxley. Yeah, there was, yeah, the, uh, Alfred mentioned the PTSD, which I didn't. I didn't initially touch on 
that Kingston touches on and and talking about you know jail and um and you know just fighting for survival and Moxley with you know coming into that line. There was so much to unpack in this. They really again, it felt like a one taker. They just hit it and you said cut and you knew you weren't going to get a better take after that. So uh, check this out again if you didn't. Uh, but we'll get back to the whole uh, dud of an explosion in due time. All right, keeping it going here on. Uh, oh, I think we had on the super chat. Don't want to miss it. Real quick. Uh, Krona Shaw says Nita Moxley Kingston buddy cop movie yeah. ASAP. Yeah, I yeah, can see that. that vibe. I really like them together. They're just, I mean, you know that they had great chemistry as opponents, and you know now as friends, I really want to see them uh, do some more backstage promos together because they're both great on the mic. Yeah, and, and you know they acknowledge how they had their battles recently in AW, and 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 Kingston, I think, kind of uh, you know said. You know, world championship makes people do funny things. You know, just you know, explaining his behavior and Moxie taking a shot at him. You're, you're, you're you could have came out earlier to save me in the death match, but you waited till then. And then kicks in like, hey, I, you know, I dress like it's 1998. You know, I got to look good for pay per view. I mean, everything. It kind of it filled in a lot of gaps of like, oh, okay, that explains it. Yeah. So I, I was, I was good. All right. Uh, so out of that uh, promo and explanation, we go to Cody Rhodes. Cody being advertised as in action. Normally when in action with no opponent listed on the graphic, that normally means, uh, somebody we don't have much knowledge of this being Seth Gargis. Uh, he's had, I guess some tag matches on uh, dark, but, uh, the first singles match we're getting here, Cody makes really quick work of them, uh, which is not always the case, Alfred, when they have these, uh, we, you know, we would traditionally call them from WWE enhancement talent matches, Normally, AEW has been a little more generous in their offense, but yeah. Cody made a point to get quick to work, and, uh, and I beat him in under two minutes easily. What's ironic about it is this was the one type of match that I felt shouldn't have been quick work. Like, Cody wrestled Peter Avalon a few weeks back and he even said, I'm going to beat him in under a minute, and that's the type of match that I think should have been a quick match, but they went a long time, and it really was one of Cody's worst matches, I think, in AEW just because they went so long with this guy whose gimmick is that he always loses. Here's this kid in uh, Seth Gardner's, I believe it was, he has size. He looked like a promising big guy, as if AEW needs more of those, but he's just a big, <laughs> impressive-looking guy. And Cody just beats him in a couple of seconds. So, I mean, I'm fine with it because he's an unknown, but I would have liked to have seen this go a little longer because I was intrigued by this guy. Yeah, I agree you know, by his look. I, mean, I can only guess that they went quick for the match for the post shenanigans they had they wanted to get in after it, which is uh, Shivani comes out to do an inter- uh, interview with Cody, and Cody's interrupted by Penta L0M. He's sitting at the Spanish announce table. He's got... Uh, uh, he's got his translator, and basically Penta says he's a thousand times better than Rhodes. If Cody's a prince of wrestling, then he's the lord of lucha libre. And then finally, uh, Penta says the 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 you gone too far line. As Penta says, Cody is lucky that he did not focus on Cody's shoulder in the ladder match at Revolution because he, if he would have, Cody would not have been able to pick up his newborn baby girl, which prompted Cody, of course, to rush the crowd and these two start swinging until they're separated. So, uh, you know, a, a Kenta Cody feud. Sign me up. Yeah. For Penta, I mean, I like the fact, and another thing to take away from this is that I think we can now safely assume that Penta and Ray Phoenix are no longer going to be tagging together. It's Ray Phoenix and Pac. Uh, Penta's doing his own thing. And as long as both those guys are getting TV time, I'm, I'm fine with it. I like that they're using both guys as single stars because as good as they are as a tag team, they're just they're more talented as single stars. And I know Ray Phoenix is still on that tag team, but they do a lot of singles action with Ray. Uh, so I like this. I love Penta coming out looking like a star with a translator and a suit. Uh, yeah, I want to see this. Yeah, I agree. I, I, it's fun at a time to see Ray uh, and his brother Penta together. But you're right, Ray. You know, 
as we talked about a minute ago, he can be accepted so easily as a babyface with the way he looks, he works, and everything. And then Penta, Penta by his look and his work, he's just so naturally a menacing heel. I, I'll never forget Alfred. I, I the I went out to your neck of the woods, and I was out uh, in uh, in Boyle Heights for Lucha Underground's uh, season two finale many years ago, and. I had seen Penta a few times, you know, on video or what have you, but this is the first time I'd ever seen him in person. And there was a moment where and he, you know, some kind of spot in the crowd and then we're all fleeing and running. And there's, there's no organized security telling you get out of the way. You just better move. <laughs> and it happened and he does a spot, you know, and, and, and I remember like I made eye contact with him and he made the eye contact with me and good Lord for me being a grown ass man. I felt like a kid for me. And I was like, who is this? This man is, is is a sort like, and that that stuck with me. And I'm so glad to see that he's continued on the mainstream uh, trajectory here in, in America because I think he's got he's got just huge heel potential. He doesn't speak English, I don't think. Right, so, and that's why it's good that he has a translator. I mean, it, it's a great heel tactic, you know. You kind of hide the weaknesses and accentuate the strengths. And I'm fine with him having this translator who's just this kind of squirrely guy who's really unlikable guy in the way he delivered his lines. So I think this guy's going to be great for Penta. Yeah, and sometimes I, I, maybe it could be even more like dastardly when you have somebody in another language saying something so so provoking like you won't be able to take care of your own child but you have to hear it through another person you know i don't know this is like a weird i don't know there's a weird thing about that but i don't know it worked I'm, I'm, i'm here for it uh alfred we got a super chat for you here fh saying random but alfred saw your stand-up set on youtube <laughs> one talented dude by the way i heard kenny omega was in charge of the audio for the ethan page match we'll get there right. alfred, I, I missed this what, what are you what, what's going what's the stand-up set what's going yeah, on yeah no, i mean I, one set i think is on youtube so you can go check that out uh but yeah you know go to alfredcanoa.com i got clips on there too so thank i really appreciate that i was not ready to see something like that or talk about my stand-up but that is something i do do um, you know, my spare time. And, and it's something that I love doing. Absolutely. And, you know, one of these days I'll be a full-time stand-up comedian and I will still be on wrestling Inc and talk about wrestling and stuff like that. But I absolutely love stand-up comedy. Awesome. I'm, I know what I'm doing. We're into this podcast a little early so I can go watch some <laughs> Alfred Kunawa stand-up. I like this. I really do appreciate it though. I, I, I did not expect that. Thank you so much. Give the plug again for anybody who wants to see it. Go to alfredkunawa.com. K-O-N-U-W-A.com. Just go on there. There's videos and clips and stuff like that. Hopefully you like them. All right, I like it. That's that, that's I like I like the concept. You're a funny guy. You have a, you you have a lot of good wit to you, which people can check out just in your Forbes.com stuff. So the fact that you get to kind of unleash and be freeform and stand up is uh, I like that. <laughs> All right, uh, I have to be honest. I'm, I'm this is me straight reading off the recap. I had to step out of the room for a minute, so I'm, I don't know. If, tell me if I missed anything. Uh, if you, if you saw it, uh, we're, we're we're at the arcade. And Chuck is with Orange Cassidy. Chuck said the feud has gone too far between, uh, too far and too long between them. And then Miro Kip, uh, Sabian. Uh, Chuck offers up about one more match. If he loses, he'll be Miro's butler forever. Taylor offered up Orange, had a good idea to put arcade games around the ring so they can put their heads into each of them. Orange Cassidy then finishes the segment with a, and yes, we'll break you. So I missed this. Full disclosure, missed this. Alfred, did you see this? Did it come off okay? Yeah, I saw that, and that's pretty much exactly what happened. Um, you know, they're probably going to, well, not probably, they teased a match that it's going to have arcades around the ring. And I mean, it's funny because this is exactly what I don't want for Rusev or for Miro, who they've been doing a good job with the past couple of weeks, making it more serious, making it a dis- dedicated effort that this guy is going to be a monster from here on out. Uh, so hopefully this is a blow-off of some sort. They did tease some tension between Miro and Kip Sabian. But the last thing I want to see for this version of Miro that they're actually taking serious is now he's going to wrestle in a match with video games around him. I just I, – I could do without this. Okay. 
yeah, I, I hopefully this is a blow off. Uh, hopefully it is. Well, before I finish my thoughts, I guess we'll I'll hit the super chat real quick. That's uh, coming in here. Uh, Sean Wiley again. Ray Phoenix Jackson match was fire. Hangman Page Dark Order skit freaking hilarious. Ethan Page FTR Spears. Uh, great potential stable. What do you think? Well, I mean, we saw FTR and Spears already aligning themselves elsewhere, so I don't think necessarily adding Ethan Page. Um, but yeah, I would agree that those are kind of some big things to take away from this. Um, but yeah, back to uh, back to Miro. Yeah, it's like again, I I appreciate AEW kind of again with the creative freedom. You be yourself, wear what you kind of want to wear, not the micromanaging that is the machine uh, under Vince, but you do need a quality control. And I just feel like it's the, the mirror stuff is just, I mean, look, I, when you have people, when you have fans legitimately, and this is a guy who was booked in terrible wedding angles with his real life wife, dating Bobby Lashley, teasing to be a lesbian, all these things. And then in his first couple months in AEW, people were legitimately like, this makes the WWE stuff seem not, not that bad. That's not, I mean, you know, so like, give me, give me handsome Rusev, give me Rusev day, give me the, 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 the bulgarian that doesn't speak english give me any of those under the you know under the ownership of the name miro because we're not using rusev any of those will be better than twitch miro yeah <laughs> i mean thousand no, percent and you know you brought up the point that you know aew does not micromanage as much and that's good but there needs to be a happy medium like wwe micromanages too much but i don't think aew does it enough i like the fact that the promos aren't scripted but there are certain people that, and Neil's an example of this, that he just does a good job playing the monster heel. I know he's a funny guy in real life, and he's very kind of laid back and easygoing, doesn't take himself too seriously. But, I mean, I've been watching some, like, greatest hits on Rusev and what he was like when he first debuted with WWE on the main roster. That guy plays a great monster heel when he's just playing the character. He's very talented at that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I would love handsome Rusev. Oh, yeah, that's handsome Rusev, too. Now, if, if it was Handsome Rusev in AEW, Handsome Rusev would absolutely be a subscriber to Manscaped. Fellas, it's almost spring break. It's COVID spring break. But regardless, it's spring break is upon us. And so that means potentially spring break in your pants. You are going to be shedding the winter jeans. The warm wave is starting to come over the country. It's time to get down into the shorts. Get down into the, into the bathing suits. Speedos, if you are so... Uh, courageous tank tops at least so you better be groomed you better have your crap together we're, we're hopefully coming on the back end of a pandemic it's time to get back out there seeing other people maybe still six feet apart but hey if you got a grooming issue i can see it from six feet away that's a problem good sir if you're getting back out trying to mingle post pandemic you better have manscaped in your corner manscaped is to ensure the party is never going to stop uh, even Veronica Corningstone would say no to this pants party if you got problems going on there. If you pick up the Anchorman reference, it's an optical illusion. The pants, uh, for everyone preparing for a pants party in the spring break, we have the exclusive 20% offer discount for you using the code INC. All right, so Manscaped dedicated to helping keep your full level of body grooming. Uh, I've been a customer for a while now, ever since being part of this podcast, and they're wonderful supporters. Alfred just got on the thing. I've talked to you before about the Lawnmower 3.0. This white piece here is critical. Uh, it allows the blades and all to do their job, but the white ceramic it keeps you from, uh, you know, uh, basically, um, you know, it, 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 it keeps you from getting some color, as we would say, from juicing up, as they would say in the wrestling world. You don't want that. They, of course, got the uh, wonderful cologne as well, too, to uh, 
Help the smell. They just sent it to me. Yeah, I mean, it's great stuff. I mean, you you don't need you don't need to be blading yourself here. Uh, the it's a perfect package 3.0 kit. It comes with the lawnmower. It comes with the the uh, the different um, uh, grooming tools they have. There's the ball deodorant. I know that sounds funny to say, but again, that's exactly what it is. Uh, it is the best trimmer on the marketplace for those of you in need of a chest or ball shave, whatever the thing might be. Uh, you know, again, crop cleanser. Whatever you need, it's all there. They have uh, shaving kit bags. Everything is there. And again, they are a proud supporter of this podcast. So we say right now, for a limited time, for a limited time, subscribers are going to get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, I just talked about, a $39 value that we're adding on to it, and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. I also have those. Very comfortable, very sleek looking. Uh, You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code INC. Just go to manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and always get the right tools for the job. So, again, to summarize, 20% off, free shipping. Use the code INC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Say aloha aloha to your new and beautiful balls with Manscaped. And we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. I would like to personally thank them. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, they just sent me this great uh, shearling grooming. Amazing. I had me at a Manscaped session today for a little TMI, and I do have a date this weekend as things start to open up in L.A. And uh, what a lucky woman because I'm more aerodynamic now, and I'm fully Manscaped. So thank you. <laughs> you have to give us a full report next Wednesday. After. <laughs> I'll do it Friday. I'll be on the podcast Friday for the SmackDown. You give me the Super Chat. I won't be on. I No, no. Wait till Wednesday. Wait till next Wednesday. We'll be on the week. One week build. One exactly one week build, like one week build. We we have a lot to look forward to the Wednesday night wars next week, but I want to hear how Alfred's date went and uh, did it get to the point of where she's complimenting on the manscaped uh, performance. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's do some super chats here. Colt Cohn, five dollars. Was tonight the first time we heard sixty nine me on national wrestling TV? At least there were more sparks in the ring tonight in comparison to Sunday. Uh, it probably was the first time, Colt. It was probably. Uh, bleeped out by dx and the usa network back in the late 90s for those who are confused we'll get to it in a second of what cold is referring to uh cody lee five dollar omega has zero signs of being an exploding barbed wire death match hour one of aew equals i hate this new crap hour two of aew and nxt i love wrestling um yeah i mean you know you're in this death defying match and and there was no uh you know real appearance of having to sell anything i guess that's that is a a fair, fair observation. Cody, again, this mirror gimmick feels like what he would have done on, on the indies to let his creative out, but no indies. So we see it on AEW. And we have one more here. Yeah, the I mean, the indies not being around does for a lot for the Zack Riders of the world, for, for a lot of the guys who lost their spots in WWE. You know, they there, there could have been main event indie money and getting all your trans paid for and keeping all your gimmick money. And they didn't have that. This is a tough, tough year. Jody, Shauna Jenkins. uh, I get there's more TV time coming, but isn't there something to be said for doing one show very well? I'm worried they're going to spread too thin. Yeah, of course he's referring to the fact that um, AEW elevation kicks off this Monday. Uh, We have, of course, dark on Tuesday still and and elevation dark, both on YouTube. We have, of course, dynamite on Wednesday. And I think they've confirmed there's at least going to be another show on TNT at some point in 2021. Um, So, you know, they have a lot of talent. You know, the big thing is I think Cody keeps trying to say that like every show is going to feel different. He he says it's not going to be a, just a rinse repeat. So if they can pull that off, that'll be interesting. If they can make different identities for the shows. 
Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I mean, I wonder how they're going to do that. I mean, I watch AEW Dark here and there, and it does feel like a different show than AEW Dynamite. But I don't know if it's feels different enough to how they're going for it. To where it's, I feel like Dark is completely different from AEW. It does kind of seem like an offshoot of Dynamite, but there are different wrinkles there in the way they present it. Absolutely. So we'll be watching to see that. Uh, Jax Callens, 499. He said he missed AEW, had shopping, feed the snake. Yeah, Jackson, he's a, you can see in this picture there, I think. Oh, yeah. he's, a, he's a dedicated fan. He, he's got, his girls got him a snake, which is just nuts. No legs and they move. It's just, that's not right. Uh, he said, chase the little one around. Glad I have you two kiddos to sit and relax and get my review. Thanks as always. Yeah, Jax, there's, there's a lot coming. So just sit tight. Thank uh, you. Just, just keep the snake away from the computer, please. <laughs> Um, all right, back to the program. Next up, uh, Tony Schiavone in his uh, Mean Gene spot, as you will, on the stage. Uh, here comes Sting uh, complimenting Sting and his efforts. Sting complimenting uh, Darby Allen's efforts, of course, from the street fight. And then all of a sudden, Lance Archer and Jake the Snake just come out and just bulldoze past Sting. And if we're, if we're not going to be given time, we're going to take the time. Um, and, and, and basically, you know, kind of upset that, that you know, they – that they're they feel like they're getting shafted i guess on tv time and they kind of start to insinuate that if we don't get listened to we're going to start to cause a little havoc and start to make some eye contact with sting so um i mean i, I mean i, I took this as is as, as lance archer is he going back to being a heel is that the next thing we're setting up for is lance archer and sting that that's what it looks like i mean lance archer has been a tweener it's funny because i complain a lot about sean spears and how they use him or lack thereof because i feel like they'll go weeks without using him then he'll come back and he'll be doing a new thing and then they'll take him off Lance Archer is kind of that same thing. I love Lance Archer, but I feel like they use him a lot. He's on TV a lot, but he's always going in different directions. He was a babyface a couple weeks ago. Now he's back to being a heel. He was a tweener for a while. Whatever they end up doing with him, they just need to commit to it. So it looks like they're going heel with Lance Archer. And by no means do I want to see Sting beat Lance Archer. I know Sting's a great big star, but this is a win that Lance Archer could really use and kind of get him going on a path because they can get a lot out of him. And uh, if they're going to go with Sting and Lance Archer, that's great. But I really wouldn't want to see Sting beat him. I, I agree, and, and yeah, I mean Archer. You know, when you have when you have Lance Archer, his look, his menacing look, and you have you know this the sinister Jake the Snake Roberts in your corner. Uh, I, I think the heel thing is the way to go. I don't think Archer. I don't buy Archer as a a regular babyface until after he's had a very successful heel run. I I, I don't really want to see it until then. Um, so hopefully this is the 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 start of of them going back to. I mean the the, the early stuff of Archer and Jake paired together when they had like the archer kicking people's ass in the middle of the backwoods yeah you know yeah. i mean it, it felt good it felt it felt real it felt you know it, it's something to buy into so yeah but you know if we're going to a lance sting match uh, I, I hope that the the plan is ultimately to put lance over because the you know he's 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 done he's done enough he's done enough uh jobs up to this point i, w- I would say at this point um <laughs> this for you Chris P four ninety nine Alfred, make sure on the date you don't have an AEW deathmatch pyro to close out the night. Well, then I'm gonna have to change my plans. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Chris yeah, is very I'm consistent gonna, on the show. Yeah. Again, don't. Yeah. Don't don't promise her Goldberg and give her Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> the wrong type of fireworks. Right. I do think if WWE wanted to troll this whole situation. They would have Gilbert make one of his random one-off appearances on Raw or SmackDown, but rather than giving him the fire extinguisher smoke and the sparkler, they would actually give him the Goldberg pyro, great. which blows him off the stage. It's just to troll AEW on their on their pyro intensity. 
we were talking on the pay-per-view podcast whether or not WWE would do something like that. I said they would. I was wrong. Uh, but that would have been the great way to do it. Is you just go the complete opposite way with Gilbert because that was a talking point in that Gilbert promo. And he just gets these pyros. <laughs> like, hilarious. All right. We see uh, Dasha talking to QT Marshall or, and she's asking him you know, about his turn and actions towards Dustin Rhodes. He said, you know, emotions got the best of him. He'll work it out with Rhodes. Right now, it's all about Lee Johnson. So now Lee Johnson has a match against Ethan Page. Ethan Page makes his debut, of course, in the ladder match on Sunday. This is Ethan Page's first singles match, you know, in AEW, first match on Dynamite. I'd love to talk about the quality of this match. I'd love to talk about the fact that, hey, this, you know, Lee Johnson's out there. He's got some story. He's, he's with QT. Ethan Page, he's made it to AEW. He's a new signee. Love to talk about that, folks. But I can't talk about that. Because nobody knew what the hell happened in this match. Because all of us were doing one of a few things. If you're watching live on TNT. If you're watching on Fight or somewhere else, you, you might have actually been able to watch a match. But if you're watching live on TNT, you were doing one of a few things. You are either standing up, banging on your TV like it's an old 1970s with rabbit ears. <laughs> you were hitting mute on your TV to figure out what device in the room you left on or is somebody calling you. Or you're looking at social media to figure out if you just did those things and are you crazy? Because as this entire match goes on, and mind you, the first half of the match, before they go to commercial, first half of the match, the, the announcer's audio, you can't really hear them. You kind of can hear the bumps of the ring, but the dominant audio is defense, defense. Then we go to a picture-in-picture break. Can hear the commercials perfectly fine. Oh, those people paid money. Let's make sure we hear them. We come back from the picture in picture. Surely the audio has been fixed, right? Nope. We're back. Same thing. Now, more ambient crowd noise. Ain't no mountain high <laughs> enough. We're hearing songs in the arena. Ethan Page. <laughs> Ethan Page in his debut Dynamite match. He gets the victory. And I don't hear the traditional bell ring, Alfred. I hear the buzzing of a shot clock. Yes, folks, if you were watching TNT for a solid two segments, somebody in the TNT master control booth had the audio coming in from an NBA game, drowning out the audio of AEW Dynamite. And that's all anybody could talk about or hear. And when you're coming off a show, that's part of the theme is to explain away production snafus. This was just the pile on. Yeah, and uh, I did the same exact thing you were talking about, Justin. For I, I wasn't even able to watch this match because I was convinced it was a problem on my end. I was like, do I have – because I usually have NXT going in the background back-to-back, back, so I figured I left that on. So I muted that, and I was just going all over uh, using technical difficulties. And when I went on Twitter, the first thing I actually saw was Tony Khan. He couldn't throw TNT under the bus fast enough. He's like, due to TNT production issues, uh, we have fixed this, and we're going to come back on live. So I was able to see through Twitter that it wasn't just me. Uh, but this was very distracting. Poor Ethan Page, because he hasn't had the best rollout. Not only did he not win that ladder match, and he's like presented as 0-1 Ethan Page coming out of this match. I'm not going to remember this match. You know, this is he's going to have to debut again for a third time. It seems like the next time he's in the ring next week. So this was not good at all. It was, I mean, it, they were playing it over the action. You could barely hear the commentary or what was going on in the ring. This is a mess. It was, and, and again, because it's another, because it was an audio feed coming from a basketball game. Like I, I assume that it was a, I assume that it wasn't like AEW to blame. I assume it's a TNT thing. Yeah. But even still, 
the majority of fans just are associating. I'm watching AEW and I can't hear it, so the blame's going to go to them. So again, it just comes off bad uh, yeah. timing, terrible. Terrible um, timing wise, especially this is a show where they're supposed to explain this thing, and then they have this happen. So unfortunately, I mean, there's going to be a narrative that all oh, AEW is now minor league or whatnot. It's just a bunch of bad luck coming at the same time. So you know, I don't expect to see this type of stuff next week. Hopefully. Yeah, the most common uh, tweet in so many words I saw was that the uh, AEW Pyro guy is also now the sound guy. Is, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Tony Khan did, to his credit, though, he did go on Twitter later in the evening and say that, uh, uh, he again, apologize. He said that he was uh, they were going to have the uploaded, uh, have the match uploaded to YouTube immediately of between Ethan Page cool. and, um, and Johnson with obviously no audio issues to it. So uh, it's a good, good immediate make, make good, I guess. And from what I saw, Ethan Page looked good for what it's worth. I mean, I saw, you know, from what I saw before the craziness. <laughs> I could again. All, all, I could pay, all I could pay attention to was the odd soundtrack to the match. There, there was, I guess, so again, Page wins. And I guess post-match, like, um, but I guess post-match, like, uh, Dustin Rhodes d- did come down. And so they're trying to further that. Again, I was extremely extracted. So. Yeah. Can't blame you. All right, so we get uh, Alex Marvez early in the day with Hangman Page. Hangman Page, of course, he's got all of Matt Hardy's royalties. He's got himself a big one of those big old riding lawnmowers. And all of a sudden, Dark Order shows up, and they all jump on, and they're all going to get some ice cream. Uh, but five, he's not allowed on because there's a weight limit, so they don't drive off. <laughs> no, it's good. These guys, they, I mean, they're great together. I, I don't know. I, I think Hangman Adam Page is above this, but he's very good, and they have a lot of great chemistry together. And I don't expect him to do this long term, so I'm fine. You know, what kind of reminds me of is uh, like when Stone Cold Steve Austin started working with Mick Foley, and yeah. um, he was doing the pick me Steve thing, and Steve is just a badass, and it kind of softened Steve Austin, and and it really was an important part of him getting over as a mainstream star. So I really don't have a problem with this short term with Hangman Adam Page. No, that's a great call. That's a good. That's a good uh, history comparison. Okay, once again, we get Shivani out on the stage. This kind of comes back to the quality control that we were talking about uh, earlier. Of Again, Shivani's getting ready to do an interview or doing an interview, but then an interruption comes of, of the same stature. So he's getting ready to bring out Christian Cage, uh, of course, who, who made his appearance uh, Sunday as a new signee. And then immediately the Omega Sweeper girls come out with their brooms. They do the whole Omega entrance. Omega comes out with Don Callis and the Good Brothers. Okay. This is me. I know I'm going to get hate from the AEW fans from the opposite side of this. They come out here, Callus and Omega, and, you know, Kenny, the greatest wrestler in the world, the king of the death match. Okay. They then dive back into the pyro dud to the ex- lack of explosion that, mind you, again, Eddie Kingston and Moxley already kind of addressed, and I thought, you know, Let's just move on. These guys proceed to go on, and, and Callis rants for two minutes straight, which two minutes is a long time on live television. Two minutes is a long time for just one person to talk. And he proceeds to go on, and, and you know, did we do this on purpose? We can either confirm or deny, but all you fans, you wanted to see a big explosion. How's it feel? We took that away from you. You know, trying to angle the heat. I, I get it. Trying to angle the heat. But just go on and on and on. And then... You know, then Kingston comes out and they have another mock countdown happen. And Don jumps on Omega on the ground. They're making fun of and reenacting Kingston diving on Moxley and 69 me, Don, which is where that comes from. 
they just go on and on. Finally, Omega saying, you know, Darren Kingston hit him, saying, you know, he's got a ring full of, of people behind him, you know, the Good Brothers and all. Kingston hits him to Omega's credit, sells it, just flops to the ground. Uh, they start beating up Kingston. Moxley comes out. Eventually, Christian Cage comes out. But we'll pause to the Christian stuff. We'll get to that in a second. Alfred, is it just me? They undid everything that Eddie and Moxley did earlier. They they just beat this to a dead freaking horse uh, of this of this dud of a pyro. It, it did take the explanation a step backwards. I, I wouldn't go as extreme as you did and say they undid it. Um, I, I thought that they had to have an explanation from Kenny Omega. I mean, it's the elephant of the room with Kenny Omega. He's the one being blamed for all this, both in front and behind the camera. So he had to at least address it somehow. But I do think they went way too far in addressing this. And the 69 thing, it got a legit laugh out loud for me, but it became a little bit too much of a cartoon, considering the fact that they really did a perfect job of explaining this with Eddie Kingston. I mean, I thought that was the thing that they could have done. I don't know how they could have gotten around this with them not addressing it, but I would have been fine if, you know, at the beginning, Don Cowell said everything went according to plan. I'd have been fine if that was it and they just moved on. You know, it was just trolling yeah. what he said according to plan. And you know he's lying, but he's a heel. But yeah, they doubled and tripled down on this thing. And I think they went way too far with it. And I agree. He has to say something about it. But I feel like, like you said, they could have just said everything went according to plan and then they just they moved on. I just, yeah, I mean, they they spent, I'll have to go back on my DVR and actually truly time it. It went on, even to the point where Jim Ross, who's very just blunt and, and honest in his uh, live reactions, to the point where Jim Ross even went, oh, come on, like, like in the middle of Calistar, like, <laughs> like as if he dozed off for two minutes, woke back up and still saw Callis talking and was like, Jesus Christ. Um, all right. So that is what it is. I guess take your side. Um, so I'm then, uh, you though, Justin, I'm closer yeah. with you. And I thought this was very, a lot of this was very unnecessary. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so then, so to the business at hand, Kingston comes out, Dex, uh, Omega fight is on Moxie comes to his aid, but then Christian cage comes out. So everybody else is now vacated. Cage staring down Omega. Uh, and then Omega eventually finally goes to take a swing. Cage ducks it, goes to get ready to hit his finisher. Callus pulls uh, Omega out of the ring. Omega wants more, but Callus saying no. And Christian Cage picks up that world title. So uh, how do you feel about this? Christian Cage in the company for, you know, four days. And uh, immediately in the company that talks about records, Oh, and oh, it doesn't matter. He's number one contender, it seems. Very surprising. That's a good point you brought. I didn't even think of that aspect of it. I'm shocked that Christian has been uh, pushed along to this level. I thought that Christian was a very strong candidate, and one of the reasons was because, you know, this was a Paul White announcement. He's doing elevation. I thought Christian really was going to go in there and do the same thing Paul White's doing, where he's going to be an occasional wrestler who's going to be the third man in the booth for elevation. He has that experience with uh, being an analyst on WB backstage. He's a great talker. I think he'd be great as a commentator. I by no means expected Christian to be in the world title picture this early, if at all. And so we'll see how this goes. He's a big star. And I mean, you're right that for a company that relies so much on records and does a good job adhering to them, it is weird to see Christian being inserted immediately into a world title feud. I just, um, I was very surprised by this. And, you know, and we assume that's what this is. I mean, again, you, you know, Kingston and Moxley still have claim problem with Omega. So, I mean, they could certainly try to divert. They, you know, they could even have Kingston and Moxley as tough guys even say to Christian, hey, we respect you and you're a vet in this business, but get in line. Yeah. You know, so, you know, which again, I don't mind multi level chases for the world title. So, but, but I mean, but obviously, but in any which way, at some point, Christian is closer to this world title picture and match than many others 
that have been busting their butts. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, the Almighty sending in a dollar ninety nine says inner circle versus outer circle. LOL blood and guts. Yeah, we will get to the big main event that was main event segment that was in AEW. So uh, hang on to that again if you are relying relying on us. Okay, uh, so after that uh, whole uh, shindig, we get some uh, women's action. Uh, six uh, six women tag action. This is a multi segment match. This goes through the through the commercial. Um, ultimately, th- this is this was this was a to me, Alfred. This was a, a shift of like really bad and really good. Um, it ends with Thunder Rosa getting the pin, and this is after we see her finally get her hands on Britt Baker. And of course, they have a little bit of history here, you know. But Sheet is in this. We got Nyla Rose. Um, the other names I actually I usually mispronounce. I don't even want to botch them. Thunder Rosa and Britt look good. That worked, and there's a history. There was a lot of other moving parts and stuff going on in this match that was like, I don't know if it was a communication errors of calling spots or what, but there was a lot of like, oh, is it my? Do I go now? Do I? Is it you? Is it me? Am I feeding to you? Um, ugliness. Uh, so this match again, Thunder Rosa and Britt, love it. Love what they're doing. They're going to be the main event next week, actually. They're going to be the main event next week. Cool with that. The rest of this nonsense going on, I don't know what was happening. This fell apart immediately. Uh, and Mikey Ito is just quickly rising as one of my favorite performers, but she is pretty green when it comes to wrestling, and she's not at that level of, like, the typical AEW woman wrestler. Um, so she, I, it really fell apart, I think, almost immediately. But the best part of this match was – during the entrances, Maki Ito starts singing her song, and then uh, Sheeta and Thunder Rosa jump in there with Real Mizunami, and they start fighting. But she's getting her shit in, brother. She just keeps singing her song the whole way. I thought that was hilarious, and she's such like a great, vibrant presence. But you know, not to blame anybody, but she just looked very lost in this match, and I thought that it fell apart uh, very early and often. And uh, I am looking forward to Britt and um, Thunder Rosa. I mean, I just love Thunder Rosa, and Britt Baker's obviously been great. Uh, but yeah, this was not a good match at all. But it was, I thought the best segment on the show essentially was Maki Ito just doing her whole entrance while they were fighting in the ring. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, and fair enough. I I, I did gloss over that. So good on you to to say that. So that, again, go on, if you want to go back and watch Dynamite, this is something that, to, that will make you laugh out loud. But yeah, just the bell rang. It just got a little discombobulated for a while until we got to the business of Thunder and, and Britt. And, and again, I can't say this enough. Um, I love the fact they're going to be in the main event spot next week. And so... Um, Let's let's see what the see what they do. Uh, I want to note this, and I'll put a button on this because we'll we'll get back to it later when Alfred gets to his part of the show with NXT. Uh, after the match, Britt Baker ta- uh, cracks Thunder Rosa on the back with a crutch. Yeah. Um, just make note of that. So this is post match shenanigans of the females, and again, not all of you. Some of you just again watch this on DVR later, or whatever. Alfred and I are watching two screens at a time. We were watching AEW and we're watching NXT. And I tweeted this and I was like, I literally was just doing this back and forth. Like what a freaking coincidence. We'll get back to that later, but just remind yourself that I said after the match, the women are hitting each other with crutches. Just remember that. I like it. That's a, that's a placeholder to stay tuned on this podcast. Don't jump off this podcast yet. All right. We get a backstage of Matt Hardy and private party. Matt has announced that he's signed more people to his, his big money Matt Corporation. He assigned the bunny, the blade, and the butcher, and that uh, they are all the Matt Hardy Empire. They are all going to go after uh, four people on AEW's elevation this Monday. We don't know who, but they're going to go after four people, and then they're going to uh, uh, then they're going to destroy the Dark Order after that. So, I mean, do you like Matt having a growing stable? I, mean, I, I, don't do. Know. 
I kind of like the big money Matt because he's like a carny, so it's like he's doing a microcosm of pretty much what AEW does. Is they're signing away all these free agents, so he's going to be the carny signing away all these free agents. I wanted it to be Ethan Page. Ethan Page is like a man without a country right now, so coming off this big win, he's like the only person of that level with no stable. So I thought it was going to be him. Um, the fact that it's Butcher and Blade, I thought was very deflating. Uh, I just thought it would just be better with a guy like Ethan Page because he's just kind of like the young up and coming guy who could be mentored by Matt Hardy. That would be a lot more he could get out of than butchering the blade, just going from one stable to another. I mean, they were with MJF and then they were with Eddie Kingston. Now they're with Matt Hardy. It's like pick a lane. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you say Ethan Page is a, a man without a country. Give it quick time. <laughs> AEW is like jail. You yeah. better have an affiliation with somebody. I know what the pecker was, Ethan. <laughs> 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 i love that that's great that's great all right <laughs> up next we get scorpio sky versus darby allen uh this match uh for the uh this match heavily promoted um a good match two uh, two good styles here uh commentary did some good stuff putting over what they did uh the ending sequence comes to allen tries for the coffin drop but sky counters right into a power bomb that's a two count false finish then Sky looks to go for the TKO, but Allen rolls him up with an inside cradle for the win. Post match, uh, uh, Sky uh, begins to start to attack uh, Darby Allen as we get more referees that come out. So this uh, this is a good match. I, I like the fact that this was a. I, I'm a big fan of. You don't see this as much anymore. The old school, you know, the, just the roll up, the schoolboy, just something quick to protect. You know, I mean, we used to see this in great matches. You know, I think of like. You know, but, but Piper and Brett WrestleMania eight, Brett and Austin Survivor Series. You know, something where it's like somebody was just quick enough for a minute for three seconds to outthink you, uh, but you had all the fight. You can get right back up and attack them. It doesn't. Have, you don't need to be heavy. You don't have to to be knocked out by nine finishers. I, I like these finishes, and I'm glad AEW did this for Scorpio Sky's protection. Yeah, and the finish just lined up. This match hit on all cylinders, from the commentary to the story of the match, which was just counters, which JR kept pointing out. These two had a lot of different counters to the finish, which was an incredible counter with that small package with Darby Allen. I just thought this match gelled so well, and everybody was on the same page, and it's a perfect type of finish to set up for a heel turn. Absolutely. All right, so we get a rundown of what's to come next week with the – if I lose my place in my script here, uh, we'll be get next week with the St. Patrick's Day Slam is what they're calling next Wednesday's Dynamite. Uh, Moxley and Kingston versus the Good Brothers. Cody Rhodes up against Penta L Zero Mato. So so Cody and Penta, I have to think this is gonna be like a quick like some schmoz is gonna happen. They're not gonna give us an earnest this match in full yeah. next week, do they? No, not one week, and I don't think so. There's probably gonna be some gimmick. Yeah, uh, Jurassic Express and Bear Country up against Matt Hardy, Private Party, The Blade and the Butcher, The Bunny, Jade Cargill's in action, and of course, the, as we mentioned, the main event, Britt Baker uh, up against Thunder Rosa and an unsanctioned lights out match, so anything goes. So they're really going to let the women kind of uh, stretch their legs there in terms of creativity and what's allowed. All right, so here comes the main event segment. We've had some critiques of Dynamite tonight, or at least some jokes, but in all seriousness, uh, this was exactly what it needed to be. We know we've been building for a while to some type of, uh, you know, to something with the MJF Jericho, the situation. So tonight was the inner circles, uh, war council out to the ring is Jericho, um, Santana Ortiz, Hager and MJF. It should just be noted for a minute. There's no Wardlow. So as this gets ready to happen, MJF says, you know, Jared, you know, Chris, maybe, maybe we need to talk about like cutting more people from the center circle. 
And just before we get to that, here comes Sammy Guevara. I haven't seen Sammy in a few weeks. Sammy comes out, says, Jericho, you need to look at this. Sammy set up a hidden camera, and it shows backstage earlier in the day, MJF with Hager, Santana Ortiz, saying, all right, tonight's the night. Tonight we cut the head off the snake. It's time to turn on Jericho. So now it looks like Jericho is cornered as here comes MJF, Hager, and Santana Ortiz surrounding him. And just as MJF thinks that he has the upper hand, no, they all turn. Jericho has them in his pocket still. Jericho says, you know, you stupid son of a bitch. Did you not think? Did you not think we don't talk that we knew this is where this was headed? We knew this. So it looks like the obvious is going to happen, right? You know, it looks like an obvious is going to happen. But then, swerve, bro. MJF goes, nah, I'm a step ahead of you guys. Lights go out. I've been creating my own inner circle. Lights come back on. There stands Tully Blanchard, Sean Spears, FTR, and Wardlow. The fight is on. Brutal, glass-breaking. Jericho's bloodied and beaten. Uh, Wardlow getting to do the majority of that to him. Uh, And then they drag Chris Jericho to the end of the stage. And Wardlow power bombs Jericho off the stage into the table. So some swerves, some story advancing, new stable, this this horseman-esque thing that we saw developing. It had a purpose. It had an end game. We now know that end game is for the Ric Flair that is MJF and I guess his enforcer and Wardlow. Alfred, this was a home run to me, the way they delivered this. Yeah, it was like a psychological thriller because, I mean, I've been watching wrestling so long that it's like, even when the inner circle turn on MJF, you know they're not going off the air, beating the crap out of the heel. That's just too much of a payoff for such early in what is now a new wrinkle. And I just thought, because my mind is going like, well, then how's the heel going to, how's MJF going to get out of this? What's going to happen? And to roll this extra wrinkle out after we saw, I mean, the week before, Sean Spears come back and they're definitely setting something up with that stable. And so now they followed it up here. I just thought this was really good in terms of the maneuvering that went on and, and keeping you guessing to the last second, even though, you know, the smartest of the smart mark is probably watching this and not knowing how this is going to end. And I thought that's a good judge of how they keep your attention for this main event segment. I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's good on AEW for <clears throat> everybody advances here. You babyface now the inner circle. Who let's 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 face it, they have a babyface entrance, so everybody's singing along to Jericho's song, and they're funny and witty. So just babyface them. MJF obviously is the heel. Wardlow looks the heel. He eventually one day is going to be money babyface. Uh, I know from personal experience, uh, but it all makes sense right now. Everything advances. It, it just and and again the you know you thought the obvious just simple explanation is MJF has. You know, he's got the inner circle in his pocket and they all just kicked Jericho out and Jericho's now back to being the babyface veteran. You know, so it, you know, they didn't take the obvious path. They 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 had a purpose to it, but it wasn't just a let's swerve for the sake of swerving, bro. It was swerve to like let's advance people, let's get some more people in this top angle. So I think this was just well done uh, all the way around. Again, telling that they let Wardlow be the one who Yeah, he's the one battling Jericho, he's the one choking Jericho out, he's the one who power bombs Jericho. So, yeah, he's doing MJF's dirty work. But, uh, again, um, you know, I, I joke with Raj just before we got on here. Raj was like, man, Wardlow really looked he, – he looked like a star. And I, and I joked to Raj, I said, Raj, look at my Twitter profile picture, which is Wardlow posing like a monster with me and him with Pyro. I said, he's looked like a million bucks for years and <laughs> busting Raj's balls. But, no, everything about this was th- – this was an, for a dynamite that's coming in with the unfortunate theme of how are they – they going to explain their production screw up and then they have another production screw up 
in the middle of the night, this was the best possible ending they could have had, in my opinion. Yeah, because yeah, you're going to go off the air. Kind of the opposite of the pay-per-view, right? There was some weird spots and a really big screw-up in this show, but we're going off the air on a high, talking about how great that angle was, as opposed to AEW Revolution, which I thought was a great pay-per-view, going off the air with such a bad mistake that that's what we're talking about. It was kind of like uh, inverse world here. And I was so glad to see Wardlow back like killing people because they buy their time with Wardlow, but I think they're taking too long. It's like we see him get physical once, what, every month or so? Mm-hmm. Uh, he just kind of stands there as a brooding presence, and I just want them to unleash him. And it seems like that's what's going to happen because he was, it was like they had just taken the reins off him. He was in his tank top, he's screaming, mm-hmm. breathing fire. Like, this guy is now going to be on a rocket ship alongside MJF. It'll be very interesting to see. And much like the MJF Cody storyline, for Cody to get to MJF, he had to get through Wardlow. And, of course, that was Wardlow's famous um, one of the last matches before the fans went away in Atlanta, uh, a cage match with, with Cody where he lost, but he had the great spot with Cody in the cage. And so same thing here. If Jericho wants to get to MJF, he's going to have to go through Wardlow. So certainly uh, great, great things to come here for Wardlow to be showcased. Uh, Chris P., I kind of agree with you. Dollar 99, he says, I'm not feeling Spears in this group. Keep it at four. I kind of agree, and I was thinking this even before tonight when, what was it, last week when uh, Spears was revealed to be the the, 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 the masked cameraman or whatever and, and joined alongside Tully and FTR. I, I know Tully and Spears had had some history previously, but it just kind of felt like they'd been so, like, stop and go with Spears. I was like, this feels really forced. I don't, all of a sudden, the perfect 10 that you know, what he was as the, as the perfect 10 and Ty Dillinger, who was, you know, not fully utilized. You know, again, he looked like kind of like a Miro situation. He looked more used there than he had in AEW. I still kind of agree. MJF, Wardlow, and then the tag team of FTR, that fits it. Spears does kind of seem like the hanger on her. He is. He seems like the fifth wheel. If you look at the evolution model of a stable, which I think is the perfect cement symmetry for a stable, you got the, you know, the tag team, which ended up being like, you know, Flair and Batista, but Batista was like the monster. So Wardlow's in this monster role. MJF is kind of the lead heel. And then they've got this great tag team with the manager. That's the stable. That's what a general stable should be in terms of if you're going to get a heel stable going. And Spears, like, what role does he fill? Like, I can't tell you in one word what role Spears fills like so and they're gonna have to do a a good job of actually making sure they insert why he's there because he's kind of running out of opportunities to start and stop and if this doesn't work I don't know what to say yeah I agree (laughs) Jax Collins is Wardlow gonna be a bodyguard question mark or will he break away solo eventually by the way Justin my three-year-old with snake and pick to make you cringe yeah job well done there um no, I mean, I mean, Wardlow is MJF's muscle, but you know, he's definitely to Alfred's point of the evolution comparison. He's definitely the Batista in this group. Again, not knowing where Sean Spears lies, he's kind of like the. Wasn't there supposed to be an extra person in evolution? Was a Mark Gingerak? Yes, it was. Spears is the Mark Gingerak. It just happened to make it. <laughs> it happened. It happened to make it to the final cut. <laughs> Gingerak got cut off in rehearsals. Eh, yeah. Spears made it. Um, and I say this, and I say this, here's a fun fact, everybody. When I was still managing Wardlow and before Wardlow got to AW, Wardlow and Sean Spears worked. Yeah, we worked a match and it was actually a good match. And, and again, not, this is nothing against the man, Sean Spears. So Sean, if you see this, I'm, I'm not taking a shot, but it, it's just the booking just doesn't make, I, you know, Spears has just been stop and go. So, yeah. you know, change that up and I'll, I'll, I'll change my tune. 
Um, no, I mean, Wardlow's, I mean, Wardlow is, he's primed again to eventually, eventually, and they even teased it somewhere back in 2020. And they obviously decided to go away from it. They even teased Wardlow getting a little frustrated with MJF and they backed off of it. That's the eventual. It's the eventual Sean Diesel. It's the eventual monster gets tired of being the heavy load for the pipsqueak who can't do his own dirty work. I mean, that's where we go. Eventually, it's the Wardlow babyface show, but that's got to come in time. You got to you have to come to respect uh, the, the heel first in Wardlow. So that was AEW Dynamite uh, again. Started off weird, had some weird things going on, but boy, did they uh, they did they finish strong. Uh, so that was that. Um, Alfred, any final thoughts on AEW Dynamite? I enjoyed the show. I was very much looking forward to it just because of the drama behind all the stuff that went through. And um, I mean, they got through it. uh, And I just thought it was such a strong ending that I have to say that this is a good show. Absolutely. I agree. All right, let's jump over to some NXT. Uh, NXT coming in with a a pretty stacked show themselves, kicking off with announcements. Yeah, they kicked it off with announcements, starting off hot with Regal in the ring. He cuts to a uh, backstage is kind of like a pre-tape promo in terms of a stand and deliver WWE NXT takeover is going to be the two night event WrestleMania weekend. It's going to be two nights stand and deliver. Then we go back to Regal, who's got uh, some titles covered up and the women are on the stage. So it's pretty obvious what this is going to be something we speculated last week, uh, the NXT women's tag team titles he reveals. And the first champions have already been crowned Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai are your first NXT women's tag team champions uh, because they won the Dusty Classic. Ember and Shotzi Moon come in there and they step in to challenge because they cleared their side of the bracket. Uh, the NXT women's tag team titles just look like the men's tag team titles, but with white backgrounds. So they're nice looking titles. And we're going to get um, Ember and Shotzi against Raquel and Dakota. So they go off on their very way. And Justin, something happened that I think spoiled two matches for me tonight because they're going off. Io Shirai's music hits. Io's walking to the ring, and uh, Raquel Gonzalez just stands there and stares Io down. And she, you know, Dakota Kai has walked on to the back, and Raquel Gonzalez is just staring at Io. So this tells me that Io's not losing. I'm not going to spoil what happened, but to me, I didn't think Io could lose this match at all. But what did you think about the rollout of the NXT Tag Team titles and then the announcement would stand and deliver? So, so I'll go in order here. The stand and deliver, I thought, a great package. And WWE always has great produced things. I'm glad that they let the announcement be Regal showing a video package versus Regal just saying, oh, takeover's going to be two nights. They may take over feel like a big deal. First time ever, two nights. Um, so I thought that looked good. I thought the, I think the, the they're they're playing off the 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 pirate logo that Mania is using. I, I thought all of it looked good. Um, you know, I have a lot of curiosity about how that's going to go. I, I thought for sure we'd have an NXT title world title match for the men at WrestleMania. Two nights of takeover tells me that's probably not going to happen. We'll get back to that later in this review. Uh, but overall, good. The rev- <laughs> It's good that we have NXT tag women's titles. I I, I was sitting there going, we're just going to hand them to heels. I know they just won a tournament. So it would be very redundant to then say, okay, now we're going to have another tournament for the tag titles. So, I mean, I get that, but I at least thought at the very least that we would say, you know, Dakota and Raquel, you won the Dusty Classic, so you're absolutely in line to be in the in the first match to get the titles but like i, I would think you'd like would have a match for the title it, the fact that we just handed them to the heels was a little bit of a head scratcher uh and to your point about uh, raquel i actually didn't even catch her staring at eo um 
you telling me that actually makes me feel better about what we'll get to later. Uh, and then real quick, just before we keep moving on, an NXT segue. Sean Spears was once in NXT. Ty Hillinger, Stella Justin Lopez, 499, saying there's a reason WWE let Spears go and they refuse to let everyone else who ask. Uh, he's just a good hand. I, yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, I you know, he's got a guy's built well. He works in the ring. I mean, I and I, and the, I think the Perfect Ten gimmick was great. The gimmick, I mean, the gimmick of Perfect Ten was certainly more over and more entertaining than whatever Sean Spears is doing. Um, again, I'll, I'll let it give it time. I won't, I won't poo-poo it right now, but. He's got to prove himself to why he's in this this stable uh, with the other guys in AEW. But uh, back to NXT. Uh, yeah, it was weird. Heels, let's just hand you the titles. Yeah, and piggybacking off of handing them the titles, I think what also hurt this is last week's finish where uh, Dakota Kai just got choked out, man. Like, I know they try to make it seem like it was a screw job, but if you watch that match, she got choked out. They sent out another referee, and then that led to Regal wanting to introduce new titles. Now, if there was a spot that they did that made it seem like Raquel and Dakota should have won – and they legitimately got screwed out of it, maybe that would add more clarity to them just giving them these titles as like, now we have our own titles and you guys get what you deserve. But they didn't deserve these titles. They lost the title match last week. Uh, essentially, I know, I know the referees got involved, but they just didn't book this well. So it was essentially a clean loss. Uh, so I, I don't know about that. Yeah, and, and what, what this also, what I also take away from this is I almost, I almost feel like the decision by... Yeah, you assume Triple H. The decision to implement the NXT women's tag titles on this particular day was a shotgun move made somewhere in the last couple of days because if you knew you're going to bring the titles into play and if you knew you're going to create titles into the to, to into the brand, why would you not just elevate the Dusty Classic stakes and say when you win the Dusty Classic, you become the inaugural? Champ, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, this is very bizarre. So, I, I feel like this is some kind of like a I don't know, I don't want to say it's reactionary to AEW, but it just felt like okay, we need to have a big headline for this show, and that was what this became. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, we we get Io Shirai versus Tony Storm. So, again, Raquel uh, stares down uh, Io. They had a good match, a good back-and-forth match, but uh, the finish came when uh, Tony Storm tried for a flying headbutt and got caught into a crossface. And kind of surprisingly to me, Tony Storm just taps out in the middle of the ring. Io Shirai beats Tony Storm. I did expect Io to win just because of that stare down, but I, you know, considering the storyline was that Io had struggled to beat uh, Tony Storm, and she's the only woman who's beaten EO. It was pretty clean win that, I mean, we're not going to see Tony Storm in the world title picture anytime soon, I don't think, after this. No, we're not. And again, based upon what we got to later in the night, we're not. But, but yeah, Tony, she's not there. She's not their, she's not their champ. They're, you know, getting ready and priming. But, uh, but I thought she looked good. I think she has a hell of a look. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think she work. I think she works just fine. I don't. I don't I'm not gonna say she's like the best worker, but but she certainly doesn't. There's no glaring problems with her work. So I think as that evolves, she has the look. As the ring work evolves, uh, as the character evolves, I think you know she's somebody who again maybe this time next year, a whole different tune. She might be top of the heap. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I like the fact they sold the fact that like look, you know, EO, EO needs to overcome this this demon of of of, of beating Tony. So we get a Finn Balor promo backstage. He basically says to Adam Cole, I beat you to win this, and I'll beat you to keep it. Mm-hmm. That leads to an L.A. Knight promo backstage. He's cutting his promo, but in the middle of it, Bronson Reed comes in, and they have a brief pull apart. Um, 
Then we go back to the ring. We have Jake Atlas versus Pete Dunne. Remember him, Jake Atlas? They actually I was surprised. It was like a back and forth match, pretty lengthy. They gave Atlas a lot. Um, and uh, it's really good technical match. Our, uh, Pete Dunne wins with an armbar submission, kind of wrenching the fingers as he likes to do. And then Pete Dunne cuts his promo afterwards, probably setting up for his standard liver match, saying that he is the best wrestler in the entire world, and he dares somebody to prove him wrong. Who answers that? Mm, good question. I'm a big Pete Dunn fan, and I'll be the first one to admit. Again, I know this this pisses off the um, whatever segment of the audience. I'm a sizist. I'm I am, and and I'll make this point again later. I'm a sizist. I am, I am very much of the the old fashioned test of do they walk to the airport? Do they turn heads? Uh, do they look like Joe Schmo? You know, like. I'm a sizist and obviously Pete Dunn is not a, he's not a stab big guy. He's not, you know, there's nothing about Pete Dunn. If you, if he's just walking in, in a hood hoodie and, and sweats on the street, that makes you, but you know what? And this, and, and the presentation of, of, of pro wrestling and the, the tattoos on the kneecaps and the, the joint manipulation, he makes up for what he lacks in size. So, uh, you know, he, I guess he's to me, he's in that special group of Daniel Bryan's and even Johnny Gargano's to an extent to where, yeah, they're not, they're not guys who, if you stand next to them, you think that are big problems to you. But man, when they get to actually showcase what they can do or even their look in this situation, they got me. So I'm all for Pete Dunn on my TV. And I'm, I, yeah, after that promo, I was like, all right. They're setting something up. Who's who's going to answer yeah. that call? You think it could be somebody from the main roster? It's funny you say Daniel Bryan. That's the first thing that came to my mind when you said that. And I just think it's probably it's WWE failing upwards in some ways because they haven't really planned out this WrestleMania card. There's so many big names with nothing, no, no path to WrestleMania, it seems right now. Uh, I'm sure they're going to be part of the show, but we don't know what they're doing. So it just kind of opens up the possibilities for who from the main roster they can get to face Pete Dunne. I know maybe in NXT they've got a lot of talent who can come step up, but I mean, I have no idea who this is going to lead to, which is a good thing, I guess. It is. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's it's chaos in WWE behind the scenes right now. Normally, we're I mean, we're literally almost exactly one month out from WrestleMania, and there are still things for the WrestleMania card that are in pencil, which right. is wild. They normally have pencil in November, ink by January, and we are four weeks away, and they're still. Vince is still throwing darts against the wall, making his decisions. So anything is possible. But yeah, it, it, it's crazy. So we'll, we'll see. But, but that intrigued me. I, I have to, again, Hunter seems like he has a little bit more of a streamlined process. Obviously, he has less moving parts to combat with. He and Road Dog and, and HBK kind of can stay in their NXT lane. So it seems they have a plan for what they want Pete Dunn to do. I'm very intrigued to see what that plan is. Yeah, we get an Imperium promo. So their thing is they're recruiting Timothy Thatcher to come back home. So they say um, they want him to join Imperium, and they even extend an invite to Tommaso Ciampa as well. Uh, interesting, especially given the fact that Imperium was anchored by Walter, who uh, since the pandemic has not been at play. And you know, I had always heard this about Walter that even prior to the prior to the pandemic, he was not one who wanted to relocate to Florida. You know, he wanted to stay across the pond, uh, you know, understood the opportunity of leading Imperium and, and the fact that NXT is primarily based in the States, despite it now having NXT UK. So I almost wonder 
you know, has Wal- as, as Walter voice said, and the fact that, you know, Triple H has said this on a media calls, you know, he still has big plans for NXT UK. He wants that to be a thriving brand. So I kind of am getting the feeling that maybe like Walter is being silently removed from Imperium. He's going to be, you know, a big, big star for the UK brand, but that they do need a fourth to be part of Imperium. And yeah, maybe that's where Thatcher comes to play. Yeah. And we did get kind of a veiled reference to Walter later on in the show that we'll get to. But yeah, I could definitely see them moving Walter off Imperium. I think that's the kind of plan here is to create a new Imperium now that, you know, Walter's probably not going to be there all the time. Yeah. We get a promo from Leon Ruff. He's coming for Swerve Scott. So they're going to have that match actually next week. They announced that toward the end of the show. Um, then we get our NXT Women's Tag Team title match, Raquel and Dakota versus Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. Uh, so they're basically working over Ember Moon for a lot of the match. Uh, she tags into uh, Shotzi Blackheart, who runs wild. I thought she looked great in this match. Uh, Raquel, the finish comes where she blocks a total eclipse, and then she blocks a Hurricane Rana from Ember Moon. So she's got Ember Moon in a struggle. She's accidentally bumped by Dakota Kai, so they fall off the apron, and uh, Kai accidentally is knocked uh, into Shotzi for a roll-up. Uh, so Shotzi rolls up Dakota Kai for the one, two, three. Shotzi, Blackheart, and Ember Moon are your new NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. What do you think about this, Justin? I was shocked. I mean, after the fact, 2020, call me stupid. Uh, hindsight 2020. I Again, going back to my point I said earlier, when they decided just to hand these inaugural tag titles to the heel group, I figured, well, this is who they want to have the titles for at least the next month. And so, okay, so they get to defend them. So, again, it adds a headline of, you know, stay tuned. But I, I literally said to myself, well, there's no way that Raquel and Dakota are going to drop them. If they wanted there to be any intrigue, they would have, again, just made the titles vacant and said, all right, we're going to have the heel tag team up against the babyface tag team. Winner tonight is the, your new champions. So the fact that they handed them to the heels and then 90 minutes later they lost, I was shocked by this, which is not a bad thing. And good on, you know, I'm a Shotzi and Ember fan, so I'm not, I'm okay with that. But I, I, I was genuinely surprised by this. If it weren't for that segment where Raquel was staring down EO, because the thought that came to my mind was, A, EO's winning her match, and B, Raquel and Dakota can't be tag champ for too long if that's the direction. Otherwise, it could have given Raquel two belts. I would have been fine with that, too. Uh, but uh, the wheels were turning in that maybe this is where they beat him. But I was surprised they did it on night one. I was surprised yeah. that they lost it this early, even though the wheels are turning. Uh, the fact that they just kind of got these tag team titles, they won this big tournament. There's this whole big storyline as to how they brought the NXT Women's Tag Titles, and then they just go and lose them was very jarring to see. Yeah, and, and again, going back to my my comment earlier where it kind of feels like the decision to all of a sudden roll out these NXT Women's Tag Titles feels very just last minute like again i'm sure that they had the tag title design the belts design done and they they knew they were going to do this at some point and they said oh somewhere in the next three months we're going to do it the fact they decided now i mean again maybe to load this particular show up maybe to try to like you know look at our competition at aew they can't even get their aew women's champion situation correct and here we are. We have enough depth to where we can, at, you know, implement tags. You know, again, all these things, and th- these are all things that you know do happen in wrestling and the conversations. I, I just have to think that's that that that's what it came into because this this just felt like so thrown together three days ago to me. Yeah, uh, we get Adam Cole in a backstage promo saying that you thought my first reign was special. Well, you ain't seen nothing yet. 
Then we get backstage with Shotzi and Ember. They're celebrating with all, all the women backstage. And then it pans over to Candice LeRae and Indy Harwell, who kind of sulk off. So they're teasing that feud. Then we get Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory together uh, with the way in that Austin Theory asks if he paid off the therapist. He says yes. And then he reminds uh, Austin Theory about Dexter Loomis saying that he has mediocre midsection, which pisses Austin Theory off to the point where he says he's crossed the line. We're getting Austin Theory and Dexter Loomis next week. Uh, this was the only appearance we saw on the way or from the way, Justin, and I'm fine with that just based on how much they're on TV last week uh, doing a lot of comedy. Um, what did you think about this segment? Yeah, I agree. They, they, they've been pretty heavy recent week, so I was cool. I was cool with a cool down. Um, but I do like this stuff. I, I like the, you know, the, when they put, when they, when Gargano created the stable, I was like, and the name, I was like, oh, this is going to be cringy. But th- they've pleasantly surprised me. Yeah, they've been very funny. And it just, I don't want it to be too much of a good thing. So I'm glad they kind of pulled back this week. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing Austin Theory return to the ring. You know, he is a very capable wrestler and he's a guy who I think has a ton of potential. Yeah. And um, without, without stalling this podcast and Googling me, he's super young too. I think he's like, very, he's in his 20s. 20, he's like 21, I think, something young. So it's, you know, that's, you know, that, that, that he's got a lot of, a lot of life to give here if, if things can stay on track. So Justin was saying that we put a pin in the podcast previously. We're going to take this pin out. This is the match with Zia Lee and Caden <laughs> Carter. Uh, they talk about the LCL tear for Casey Cat and Zero. Cat and Zero was out there with her crutch. Uh, Zia Lee and Caden Carter start wrestling. And then the finish comes where Cat and Zero comes in and uses her crutch on Zia Lee. Zia Lee's begging off. Boa comes in there and he grabs a crutch from uh, Casey Cat and Zero. So there's a bit of a stare down. But this was very quick. And it ended with Casey Cat and Zero with a crutch. So it kind of was like that Spider-Man meme that you see where their clones are playing at each other at the same time, because it's, to Justin's point, this happened on AEW as well. Yeah, it was, it was wild. It, it, it simultaneously, this is again, the, you're seeing the stuff with, with Britt Baker and them and, the, and this crutch is fun. And it was just, it was one of those things where, again, to explain to people what my life is like on Wednesday nights, I have two screens going. I also have you know, Twitter up. I also then usually will have a piece of paper where if I, if I, if there's something that I really want to make a note of that I don't forget when we're talking, I'm doing that. So like, I'm, you know, doing a lot of things. And so it took me a second and I went, I literally, I look and I see Brit hitting it with a crutch and I look down and I'm, and I'm whatever. I look like, up and look at XT and I'm like, that's not, well, Brit's not an XT, but I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God. Like what are the odds? That it would line up in the same 60 seconds. Because, <laughs> I mean, these two companies aren't talking to each other. Don't, I know somebody's going to be a, a, a wise guy and say, you know, but that's not happening here. The, the chance is that in the same 60 seconds, the same weapon of choice, and there's a lot of weapons to choose from in pro wrestling. And it's both just, and it's both, and it's also both females too. It just, you know, you have a 50 50 chance. You have red or black roulette here. It could be a male or female. And it's both, fem- I was just like, that's wild. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we laugh and I, and I, and I, I've busted, uh, you know, Britain and Adam's, uh, balls before when Britain and Adam have been on the same, have been simultaneously on their respective programming. Uh, it's happened a few times and I'll mess with them, but, but this was like a whole new level. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's, 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 it means nothing. There's no, there's no, it means nothing. It, it, there's nothing to it. There's no, again, they weren't talking to each other. There was no hidden meaning here. It was just pure coincidence of, of all the weapons and all the segments that could line up in two hours they lined up in the exact same 60 seconds same division same weapon i had no i mean now that i think about it yeah i guess they did happen in the same segment but i had no idea that they happened at the same time until you brought that up so i mean that is a one in a million thing <laughs> down i mean that literally within like seconds of i heard 
the crack of a crutch hitting the body here to I see it. I mean, it was yeah. again, which is phenomenal to think about. It's like that's like that's like hearing a that's like hearing an evergreen song that can you know tr- translate the pop and the rock charts or the hip hop charts on the radio, and you happen to go to two other radio stations and you hear it in the same way. It's just you know, it's like what are the odds? You know. Someone's got to do a back-to-back side-by-side comparison on YouTube, just showing them happening in real time. That's amazing. I'm sure, but wake up tomorrow morning. I'm sure we'll see it. <laughs> so, then oh, but, we, then, but, but, but then Tony Khan will pull it off YouTube. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> DCMA. <laughs> then we get an interesting backstage promo, uh, Justin, with Jordan Devlin, who is at an airport. He says his travel ban exemption got lifted today. So next week we're going to get Escobar, Santos Escobar versus Jordan Devlin to determine the real cruiserweight champion. Uh, good picking back up a business that was vegan vacated via the pandemic. I like it. Yeah. So then we get a really cool promo for Zoe Stark. I thought this was much needed because she just kind of exploded onto the scene. We don't know anything about her, but they really talked about her background of, you know, the judo that she does and how wrestling is her escape. So I really like this. Yeah. yeah, I did too. And, uh, you know, I always pay attention to these things at the start of the night when Regal had all the women come out and he had them in two uh, two lines, heels in one side, faces in the other. She was the front of the face line. Um, you know, for those of you wondering, I can tell you this whenever in WWE, in that situation, or even on Raw or SmackDown, when they have the gatherings of all the superstars on the stage, unfortunately, more times than not, it's usually for uh, sad or somber moments. But whenever they have them out there, whether it's for real sad or somber moments of real life, or if it's for the, you know, Mr. McMahon needs to address everybody. They strategically have the particular people on the front lines, camera visual, you know, and then if you're a background player, you're a background player. So the fact that she was front of the line this quick in an NXT stage gathering is uh, just a little nugget to let you know where she ranks in the, uh, in the in the booking meetings. I mean, that would make for great content on WWE Network if they just showed you the behind the scenes politics that went into who gets to stand where. And people are like, well, why do I have to stand behind him? I'm better than that guy. So, but it's good to see that they uh, value Lacey Ryan. Or I keep calling her Lacey. I'm used to this. Zoe Stark I, is such a valued addition to her. Dude, I do the same thing. I still call her. I, even in my notes, I write down Lacey because it, yeah. it's it's that troubling thing in wrestling when when you when they give you a first and last name when you go from one first last name to another like i don't know it's with it, yeah it's weird like it's yeah it's just you, you get into your reputations of calling it's their name it's who they are and then all of a sudden you're just supposed to change that it's very unnatural yeah i mean even you know we keep saying sean Spears. like even like you know ty dillinger was a name i got used to so i had to get used to okay now he's sean spears like miro i can get used to because i always knew even when i even when i would speak to him over the years I knew that, like, even though he was Russo of the character, I knew that in real life he was Miro, and that that that, and I would say Miro to it, like that. I can buy that, but when you just switch from one first last name to another first last name, it's it's just I can't get it straight. Yeah, so it's a transition process. So backstage, um, Santos Escobar is pissed off. He's arguing with William Regal about why he has to face uh, Jordan Devlin, and he's so mad he doesn't want to come out with Legado del Fantasma. So. Next match, Legato Del Fantasma versus the Grizzled Young Vets. I mean, as soon as I saw Grizzled Young Vets come out, I am just not happy with this. This is heel versus heel. It's like, why are they doing this? But they're not in there for very long. It's a very quick match because we get Breezango's entrance. They're in their astronaut costumes. They take the helmets off. It turns out to be MSK. Grizzled Young Vets get rolled up. 
Uh, Wesley hits Zach Gibson with his helmet on his hand. So that's turnabout is fair play because uh, Wesley's been out with a hand injury. And then Breezango jumps Legado del Fantasma from behind. They end up dancing with MSK and uh, Fan, uh, Fandango crowns Wesley with his uh, astronaut helmet and they treat it like it's a big deal. What do you think about this? Uh, fun. You know, fun little piece of business. MSK is, you know, they're, they're, they're the hot new thing right now. Good to see Breezango back. It's been a while since we've seen them. Um, yeah, not, I'm not sure where we're going here, but it was fine with it. Yeah, a lot of things happened in this, and I'm just glad it was kept kind of short because I mean, this would have yeah. as talented as these two guys are. These two guys are these heel versus heel tactic matches, and NXT has done quite a few of them. It just doesn't work out. Yeah, I'm glad that there was purpose to it because I thought the same thing as the match was going on. I was like, what the hell is this? Why, why are we doing the heel versus heel? So I'm glad there was a reason. So then we get into a segment with uh, Mikel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. They're pissed off backstage. Uh, they're berating Mc- Mackenzie Mitchell about losing. Uh, then finally, Io Shirai walks up and she says something in Japanese to Raquel that translates to, I want you next. And then Raquel Gonzalez says, be careful what you wish for. All right. I know Raquel pinned Io at, at war games. I know. It's a big deal. War Games was December? Yeah, yeah. I want to say December. So I'm sure I'll warm up to this as they like roll that footage and bring that story back up. But I don't like babyface champs coming and picking their next opponents. I just don't like it. If you're a babyface and you're the title holder, you are the hunted. The babyface thing is not to duck any challengers. You take on all challengers, but I don't like seeking out your next challenge. I just don't. Again, I know Raquel Pinder, so maybe you want to avenge that. That's very heroic. Maybe they'll warm me up on that. But I just I, and I tweeted this, and I got tons of shit from from people who think opposite of me, and I just. I just I'm a traditionalist. I just, if you're the champion, you're not asking for fights. You have enough on your plate. You're always looking over your shoulder. You don't go into somebody else's locker room and say, you're next. Now, granted, she didn't say, I'm, I'm defending the title, but that, that's where this is headed. I just, I just don't like that. I just, I know that's, a, I'm, that's the traditional in me. I just think it's stupid. It's illogical. And I think NXT agrees with you because, I mean, we praise them for doing just that with their babyface champions, especially with EO. At one time, there was like three challengers she had at the same time. It was Tony Storm, Rhea Ripley, Raquel Gonzalez, all hunting EO Shirai. And now here we are with the shoe on the other foot. So I definitely agree with you from that standpoint. But I just will say, EO did look like a badass just going out and challenging of all people to challenge, like the biggest person on the roster. Because then Raquel stood up and she's like twice EO's size, but EO... She did look like a badass challenging such a monster uh, for the championship. So that is kind of a babyface, like a brave move from a babyface. Yeah, and and then and honestly, that's that's probably in the in the war room with you know with with with, with Triple H and 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 his his crew. That that's probably the ju- the justification. Which okay, again, okay, I'm, I, you know, it, it, but it was just again, it was me. I just I've always had that thing about you're the champ, yeah. you're the hunted. I, you know, so, but that's probably that everything you said is probably the exact reason they're going with. And hopefully as we, you know, weeks go on, they'll, they'll justify it. And I'll just, I'll get off my, my high horse on this issue. So backstage, we get a promo from Timothy Thatcher, who doesn't end up saying anything. He's interrupted by Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa says he's not interested in joining Imperium. In fact, he's interested in the match with the general, which is Walter. That's who they're referring to. 
And so then it looks like we're going to get Tampa and Thatcher versus Imperium next week. Yeah, let's let's more of what we talked about. Let's 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 get this advanced. If if, yeah. if the situation is with situation, let's let's get it advanced. Let's um let's do it. I think uh, Thatcher's turning on Champa. I just I get that feeling. I, I do too. Then we get our main event. It's uh, Finn Balor versus Adam Cole. This is a good match, but you know I've seen this before. It's nothing different from what they've done. Uh, but they did work very hard. Balor kicked out of a couple big spots. Kicked out of the last shot. Kicked out of the Panama Sunrise. Fans are chanting "Fight Forever," so the live fans uh, apparently are enjoying this. Then Kyle O'Reilly emerges from the shadows. That distracts Adam Cole to the point where uh, Finn Balor hits a 1916 on the outside. Then the coup de grace. Finn Balor beats Adam Cole. Afterwards, O'Reilly and Adam Cole get into a brawl with O'Reilly just chasing Adam Cole and Cole trying to get away. They've got referees that pull apart. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly tries to do the same spot that took him out with the suplex, um, the brainbuster on the steel stairs, but they put a stop to that. Um, and before everything gets too chaotic, we go back to the ring with uh, Finn Balor standing there, and he looks over his shoulder. Who's standing there but Karrion Cross? And Finn Balor says, what took you so long? So they're staring at each other, and we go off the air with Finn Balor versus Karrion Cross being a heavily teased match for the WrestleMania weekend shows. Uh, so all this is good. Um, wasn't as headline-worthy maybe as the Inner Circle main event for AEW, but this is all really good uh going let's go in order here um come on finn balor adam cole you're not gonna have a bad match here they can't try to have a bad match you know what i mean like they, they just they're not capable so great match you know i i, I tweeted this said it before in other ways adam cole he comes out yeah i know he's not the biggest guy and again i'm usually the sizes not the biggest guy, but God, he's got the music. He's got one of the best entrance themes. And he gets to keep it. Like, uh, those the question as to whether or not he's going to have the same theme. Yeah. He the same. He's got the music that's his. You know, he, he, you know, Roman Reigns got the shield music. Adam Cole gets the undisputed. He gets the music. He's got an interactive catchphrase that the audience gets to partake in. You know, he's, he's only six foot. He's not, so he's not the biggest, but he, he still does have a look long hair. He's got, he's got a look. He's, he's not generic. He's got a look. And then of course he can go with anybody. I still think back to when he emergency had to be main eventing in SmackDown after the, we can't get back from Saudi Arabia debacle and he killed it. Like this guy, if, if big I F if allowed, this guy can be a top guy at WrestleMania for several years. We've broken the size wall with Daniel Bryan and a few others. So it could happen. So that's my Adam Cole promotion, my Adam Cole put over. Uh, a great match. Um, I, I didn't think he was going to win, though, so I wasn't surprised by this. Finn wins, yeah. You know, the fact that we are continuing the stuff with Adam and his former Undisputed guys, you know, that kind of does tell me, unless they wrap it quickly at TakeOver, uh, Stand and Deliver, if they wrap it quickly, then he could still be going to raw or SmackDown soon. I'm watching to see that happen. And then to the point of the stuff with cross, I love the Finn going, what took you so long yeah. in this turning like, like, like the monster in the horror movie. He's there. I know he's there. I'll, I've been waiting for you. Um, Cause that's the match. I mean, you know, look, cross never lost the belt. He vacated it. Um, would love to see him on a mania stage. Love to see him in a mania stadium with mania with, with, however many thousands crowd but as we said earlier it seems like if takeover is gonna be two nights i would think the women the women's world title headlines one night the men's world title headlines the other i would think 
So, but regardless, Cross, you know, he needs to be the champion again. Yeah, it's very likely to happen. To your point, Finn Balor has been the hunted for months from Karrion Cross. I mean, they did a similar segment, uh, but this it was um, a Scarlet coming out where Finn Balor kind of stared her down and she teased that he's coming. So I really like that they've done this uh, slow played storyline where Karrion Cross the whole time has been coming for his title. He's had a couple of uh, obstacles thrown his way, but he's just destroyed them. He destroyed Blagetto del Fantasma. And now here he is at the final boss stage. So they've really done a good job setting this match up. Yeah. A great finish. Like I said, this was a really good finish for the show. Um, yeah, I mean, I the, 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 there's so many moving parts in NXT, and they always and NXT has the both benefit and and doubt of like, ooh, is carrying cross? Because yeah, I feel like on the one hand, we're like, ooh, is carrying cross going to be Raw or SmackDown material soon? Is he going to have the big entrance? He can be, and then it's like, ooh, Adam Cole. He should be in Raw or SmackDown, but oh, Vince might have him in a conga line for 24-7 time. It's just, you know, it's just such a crapshoot, you know, of like what's better for them. And then it's like, oh, I mean, let's not squander Adam Cole. He might wind up over an AEW before we know it if they don't, you know, it's 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 a funny <laughs> it's a it's a funny scenario all the way around. But um I'm I'm on the hook. Both both shows ended both shows ended more interestingly than they started yeah that's a good way the great way of putting it but uh, that was the show on nxt and i you know i i liked nxt i thought nxt started hot ended hot yeah all right so those are the shows are real quick only other uh, i guess topic we can talk about real quick here <clears throat> news wise uh, of course nxt takeover is going to be two nights as we just have outlined overall uh we also know <laughs> there's gonna be eight straight days offered of wwe so we're gonna have the monday night raw before Mania. So we're going to Monday Night Raw. On Tuesday, you're going to have the Hall of Fame ceremony. Uh, we don't know any more details. There is a separate 2021 class in addition to the 2020 class that never got to be honored because of the, the pandemic had just started. So that includes the NWO, uh, the Bella Twins, the British Bulldog, and, and several others. But we also have a 2021 class. The first being named is Molly Holly. Hall of Fame. Then Wednesday, Thursday, TakeOver, Friday, SmackDown, <laughs> Saturday, Sunday, Mania, and then we go back to Raw again on Monday. So eight days of WWE original content. Are you in, are you ready to work, Alfred? Because it's going it's to affect us because we're going to be staying up late doing this shit. We're not going to leave each other's side, Justin. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's gonna, content is king, man. This is the era we're in. This is why AEW is loading up with Elevation. Now they're going to have a TNT show. The more content you have, the more library you have. WWE is very big on the hours of content they produce. It's always like in the first paragraph of their earnings uh, summary. So WWE is just going to keep hammering its audience with content. And you know what's funny is that they have this two nights of WrestleMania, which is great. I mean, it's such a good decision considering how long WrestleMania. I mean, you've been to those WrestleManias for six, seven hours. We're standing there. But we're going to get to a point, and I hate to say this, they're going to have two nights of WrestleMania, and each of those nights is going to be six hours. That's where this is going. Fun story real quick. Alfred and I uh, at WrestleMania 29 and uh, in MetLife Stadium, we were both Raj, I don't know if we're allowed to do this. We, Alfred and I both were working for Bleacher Report, and they wanted us to do like a live, just a live post show, but outside, stadium behind us, and cameras. And we and, and Alfred and I did this on a regular with, with Bleacher Report uh, week to week, but they wanted us to do the live post game, and so we did it. 
And this was the WrestleMania that was terrible with transportation and parking. It's in New Jersey. So everybody's coming from New York and like buses couldn't get out. Cars couldn't get out. I mean, you and I did that and we did it. I don't remember what time it was. And then when I finally got a car back to New York and I ended up at the Irish bar that I just needed to drink my face off because I was so just exhausted and tired. And I think about this and I'm like, why are these manias so long? And so I think about it. I, you and I would be fine to do a post show if we could just have it. Oh, you know, a normal three hour mania, let alone the seven hour mania plus pre-show. Yeah. I always think about that. No, absolutely. That's so funny you brought that up. I was thinking about that the other day. The coolest part of that was that people started gathering around us eventually. Mm-hmm. It was just talking to two of us. And then the fans were leaving the arena. They just decided they, they saw cameras and they just gathered around us. And there was a guy in a moth mask. Yes, they yes. might as well because they couldn't get anywhere. They couldn't leave. Leaving. Let me ask you this real quick. Uh, so, all right. So, take over two nights. We talked about that. Um, how do you feel about uh, Molly Holly? Wonderful person. Great. I was not expecting them to universally in the world. We've just accepted 2020 is a wash. Mm-hmm. I had just expected them to pivot and make the, tw- you know, X out 2020. That class becomes class of 2021. Are you surprised they're going to add a second class and basically try to do two years in one? Very much so. I mean, we shouldn't be because we just ran down all the content that they're putting out there, but I'm very surprised. And like the fact that it's almost like WWE got a reprieve because the Hall of Fame is starting to thin out. That you've already seen two time Hall of Famers, three time Hall of Famers. They're coming with all these excuses. Look, Hulk Hogan is going in again with NWO. So they're clearly running out of names. So that was another year WWE could have spent not having to induct anybody, and they're doing it anyway. And that, and, and, and again, I love Molly Holly, love Nora and a woman, no less, because every year the hall of fame, the hall of fame is built just like you build a wrestling card. There's your headliners, one or two of them, your mid card. Here's our one women's here's our one manager. Here's our one celebrity. You're right. They could have got away with a year of not having to burn through, you know, when people already criticize, like. Oh, this person in the Hall of Fame? Like, what's the criteria? I don't like this because they're not going to add any other main eventers. They're not going to bump Scott Hall, Kevin Ash, and Hogan from the top spot of the NWO. So everybody you add for this 2021 class, again, no disrespect to Molly Holly, is going to be just mid-card filler for uh, is, is, is it so like yeah I, I don't know why they would do this i mean and again it's gonna it, 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 it's probably gonna be a hall of fame it's probably gonna be on zoom <laughs> so uh, might be way they can pull this off because i'm interested to see how they're going to get through a show with as many if they're starting now with the hall of fame announcement because what they're typically do is they do like one hall of fame announcement pretty much per week leading up to yeah. wrestlemania so what are we gonna get like seven additional names in the hall of fame yeah, I th- this was surprising. I really thought they would just hold whoever was for 2021. They would just everybody just pushes back. That's been life. We've all just took our 2020 plans and just pushed back everything. Every 2020 plans are now 2021 plans and so forth. Yeah, um, nobody would so. have had a problem with that either if they would have just said that here's our new class. We're going to call it the 2021 Hall of Fame. But hey, this is how WWE wants to do it. So I mean, good for Molly Holly though. It was really uh, I don't know if you saw that on the bump where uh, Hurricane Helms was the one who broke it to her and it was a complete surprise. Kind of like what the NFL has been doing with their Hall of Fame. So yeah. I thought that was really cool. I think that's how they should uh, induct people now. Just surprise them like that. No, that was cool. Well, and you're right about that. That is the one advantage of the 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 Zoom era is that like they can do that because you could say, oh, just get on Zoom, come on our show, the bump, and talk. You know, we have we have veterans all the time. 
and and she wouldn't think anything of it. If you say, "We're gonna fly you to Raw," <laughs> what well, for? What you you know you can't surprise them that way. So that is one advantage is you can is you can do that. So, um, all right. So you know a lot of things we'll talk about in the next month. You know, two nights of take uh, takeover, two nights of Mania, uh, just the eight day marathon. So we'll keep our eye on what other Hall of Fame inductees are going to go in but i've seen a lot of chatter let me just shut the chatter down i don't know who else is going to be in the class of 2021 stop tweeting me it will not be the undertaker it will not be the rock it will not be john cena that will that is a money-making excursion that is when you can sell out the staples center for the rock when you can sell out the cowboy stadium for taker when you can sell out MSG or, or wherever, that is money making to hear them make their speeches and go in the Hall of Fame. That's not happening in a pandemic Hall of Fame. So stop. Not happening. All right. That's been the night. It's been an hour and a half. Plenty of stuff. Again, uh, Alfred Knife has been fun. Matt off tonight. I think he's off next week, too. So just a spoiler alert. It's going to be this again. But it's been fun. I think it's been great. Oh, yeah, this is our old times kicking it together. Me waking up at four in the morning to go on the phone and us doing those things together. Well, what's better is that, like, when you and I used to do those things, you know, again, pulling the wool back, we had to stand in front of green screens. I had to look this yeah. way, you look that way. I love the fact we can just see each other. This is great. Okay, so, like, hey, which way are you looking, Justin? Okay, I'll look the other way. <laughs> uh, I wish I could find those archives. I can't find them anywhere. Um, all right, it's been great. Uh, Alfred, put over yourself. Stand-up comedy, Forbes.com writing. Put it all over. Yeah, there you go. AlfredKinnell.com or go to at This Is Nasty. Pro Wrestling Bits. You know, watch me on Forbes. I'll be around. Very good stuff. Uh, I'm at Justin Labar. I will be back tomorrow on the Wrestling Inc. Daily with Nick Hausman. We'll talk the uh, news headlines that break between now and Thursday lunchtime. And then Friday morning, I'll be on Sirius XM's Busted Open Radio, as I am every Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern, with Mark Henry and David LaGreca. You can listen live at 10 a.m. Eastern or download the app. You can listen on demand whenever you want. It's always a, a wild time on my segment called Spar with Labar. Uh, things get crazy. So all that stuff, again, follow Wrestling Inc. for all the news. Podcast again Friday night. All the great stuff. Just subscribe. Just subscribe. We'll send you the alerts. We make it easy on you. Thanks for the Super Chats. Thanks to Alfred. Thanks to all of you. A night we will end with now. We'll be back next Wednesday for more of the Wednesday Night Wars. Take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.